0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. It's good to celebrate Christmas, isn't it? And the, uh so appreciate our team helping us put to... Uh, Put To song what we the truth and and uh our gratitude for what God has given us in in Christ, and the first hour agreed. Should we just keep celebrating Christmas in our worship time right through January and February? Hey, why stop in December? It, it's hard, we only have a couple more weeks and then Christmas Eve, but but just a precious time of, of worship together. And today, we uh we can uh, begin this new series, Kingdom Coming, and as we think about the kingdom of God, I was. Thinking about the uh, you know one of the great ages to enjoy Christmas or is that the wonder years of like when a kid turns three to i don 't know when the wonder starts to wear off twelve ish when uh, everything is new fresh and we are we awaken to just the the wonder and joy of the true gift of Christmas and all the the stuff that comes with it and it 's fun to see Christmas through the eyes of our kids too as parents and as grandparents and all of that, and as I was thinking about that season of life that, that we go through, I was remembering uh, that season of life for our kids, Chad and Jess, and one summer vacation we were up at a lake cabin, at a, a little cabin on the, uh, it was up in northern Wisconsin, and in the afternoons we I'd take off on a run, and Chad would bike along with me, and he was just learning how to bike, and so he's cruising along, and to. Eat up the time, we would tell riddles to each other. And so I would say something like, okay, Chad, who am I? I have teeth, but I don't eat. I, uh, I am a, I, I can fly, but I have no wings. I travel great distances, but I stay put. Who am I? And he would think and ask questions and I'd give him clues and finally we'd arrive at the answer does anyone know the answer to that riddle I am a stamp right a stamp has teeth but doesn't eat and etc and uh and then he would tell a riddle all right dad who am I and he'd give that riddle and I'd try to I'd ask him questions and we'd and we'd burn up the miles you know and uh, that workout telling riddles to each other well as Jesus speaks of the kingdom he came to earth and he said this, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And then he goes on to describe this kingdom, the value of it, the, uh, the way we enter it, the ethics of it. And as he does, it's interesting in that, that often it feels like, as he tells parables and, and gives these vague descriptions of his kingdom, it, it feels like the riddle game. We, we can get a glimpse of it, but, but it's not crystal clear, and it draws us in. We, we ask questions, okay, what exactly is this like? And, and one of those illustrations or an example of this is Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, where he, he says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again, and in his joy, so this isn't like, oh, should I or shouldn't I? This is pure joy. He goes and he sells all he had, and bought that field. That's what this kingdom of heaven is like. And we see the value in that. And it's like, okay, again, he says, and he emphasizes this with another back-to-back here. He says, and again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant, a businessman out looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything. And in this one, again, you see the just all-out nature of, of nothing that I have is as valuable as what is in this, this thing, this kingdom. He sells everything, and he buys it. So what is it that makes the kingdom of God valuable like that, you know, it is what the, it draws us in. And, and how do we know when we found it? How do we, and how do we experience the kingdom of God well, this Christmas season, our goal is to awaken to the reality that His kingdom is coming, not just at the coming of Christ, which it did. There was an initiation, an inauguration of His kingdom. And not only will His kingdom come, we know when Christ comes again, but the, the incredible reality and the, the joy of, that, that I hope this Christmas series will bring us to is His kingdom is coming now in real time. And it is possible for us to experience it. In fact, he's called us to experience it. And, to, and our goal will be to see it with clarity and then to seek it with all of our heart. To see it and to seek it. So the question becomes, okay, what, what is it that makes his kingdom Unique. And if we are living with Christ as King of our hearts, what are the qualities of His kingdom? And so we're going to look at four ways, four, each week we'll take one unique mark of His kingdom. We'll see it and then we'll seek to, to uh, live it out. So today our, uh, the mark of His kingdom is found in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 to 12. This is uh, one place this is found, it's found many times throughout the, uh, God's Word, but here it is just crystal clear. John is writing, and remember John uh, was one of the 12 disciples of Christ. He knew Jesus, knew him well, watched him live. He's also one of the inner three, the, uh, and he was named early on one of the sons of thunder. He was one of the guys that was like, Lord, you want us to just call down fire and burn this town up? They had rejected Christ, and Jesus was like, no, nope, that's not the way. But you get a, a John was um, all in and probably had a bit of a temper. But this is later in his life, and we know that he, uh, at the end of his life, he's exiled, and he writes the the, uh, the book of Revelation. But but right now, he's, scholars feel he's probably pastoring in the area of Ephesus. He's left Jerusalem. He's in the, the area um, of Ephesus, and he's he's seasoned. He's seen some life. He's and he's seeking to help help the church family here. And he says this in verse seven: "Dear friends, you might jot in your Bible that's." Um, the root of that is agape, it's, it could be literally loved ones. It's significant with what we'll be digging into here. He says, loved ones, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who, who loves has been born of God and knows God, and whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us, to celebrate that, that helps us see the kingdom of God. What, what exactly is the kingdom of God? And the truth is simply this our king is love. The king of our kingdom is love. The mark, what is the mark of the kingdom of God? What makes it of great value, a treasure that, that when we have it, we have everything in it. And it is this it is a kingdom of love. How so? The king of our kingdom is love. We see that there in verses 7 and 8. He says, Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God, knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is significant. It's one of those truths that it takes a while to soak in, but I encourage you, maybe even this week, just to to stop and think about this, but when God describes himself, he doesn't describe himself as a god who does loving things but he is a god who is love. He, he defines love, he embodies to the core of his DNA and love is pursuing the good of another and this agape love is pursuing the good of another regardless of their lovability or whether they deserve that. And we know that this is not all that God is. This is love is one attribute of God. He is also and there's many attributes. He is sovereign. He is holy. He is just. He is wise. He is all-powerful. Annoying, and the list goes on. But what God wants us to know right here as we think about his kingdom is there is never a moment that passes. So, so he is constantly, passionately, continually pursuing your good and my good. This is our God. This is our King. Why enter the Kingdom of God, and why is the Kingdom of God the treasure? It's because we have a King who is love. And so the question becomes, how do we know this to be true? Where do we see the love of God lived out? And we see, he answers that in verse 9. He says, this is how God showed His love among us, how He displayed His love. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. Say okay, what what marks the love of God? And and notice this phrase: it's He sent His Son into the world so that we might live through Him. Love this His love takes the initiative, agape love, and the love that that God has for us is a love that that isn't passive, doesn't wait for us to be lovable, but rather comes after us. He sent his son into the world. And we, when we see that phrase, into the world, we, we know Jesus left the glories of heaven, wrapped himself in humanity, came into this dark place, born in a humble setting um, to be humiliated for you and for me so that we might live through him. Don't you love that? And when John says live, he, anytime you see the word life in John, it's a theme that, that flows, but it's, this, it's not just duration of life, but it's quality of life. It's life as God meant it, meant for us to experience And Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have, have it to the full. It's life that, that um, overflows with the joy that, that we were created to, to experience, and the, the shalom peace and the sense of well-being. This life is through Christ, through his son. Love this is, think about, okay, our king is love, and this morning I a prayer would be, okay, we, we come out, I know you, busy week, all kinds of problems, issues, good things, bad things, and, and it, we can see these things, but we walk by faith, and the prayer this morning would be, would God give us the grace to just look into the eyes of our king and see pure love, a love that sent his son. And every time we see a Christmas tree, a light, a manger scene at our in our house, or driving along through even our towns that decorate beautifully to remember Christmas. You could hang over every Christmas display. God displayed His love among us. This is why we celebrate. He displayed His love among us in this. He sent His Son so that we might live through Him, live forever. Our king is love. Where do we see his love? We see it in the incarnation in Christmas, but we also see it in his crucifixion. And ultimately, this was the purpose for his coming. There in verse 10, he says, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. This is that picture that we bring nothing to the table. We don't deserve the love of God, and, and human love is not the measure, the bar for love. It's God sets the bar, and, and this is it that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We think about the love God has for us. Our King is love. He loves us with the love that initiates, He makes the first move. He loves us with the love that sacrifices. The, the word atoning sacrifice there is that picture of uh, what Christ did for us on the cross, pouring out His blood, was the perfect sacrifice that. Covered our guilt and our shame. That had to happen because we've all sinned against a holy God. We deserve death. We fractured that relationship and, and death is the result. Death is separation from him, separation from our bodies. But, uh, but we needed a savior. We needed a, an atoning sacrifice. And Jesus came, took on flesh, lived the perfect life we could and died on the cross and offers eternal life to everyone who believes in him. Repent and believe the kingdom of heaven has come near. How do we enter the kingdom of God? It's through faith in Christ alone. We have a king who is love. The father sent his son to give us life. For many years, Paul Harvey would uh, tell a Christmas story that captured the beauty of the incarnation and really where we see the love of the father giving his son and Jesus coming in the form of a was, um, or I'll just share the story as he tells it. But it says the man I'm going to tell you about is not a bad man. He was a kind and generous man to his family and to the people that he knew. He just didn't believe all the all the churches and what they proclaimed about Christmas. It just didn't seem to make sense to him, and he was too honest to pretend otherwise. He just couldn't swallow the Jesus story about God coming to earth as a man. And so he told his wife, I'm sorry if this upsets you, but I'm not going to go with you to church on Christmas Eve. I would, be, I would feel like a hypocrite and would rather just stay home and wait up for you. And so he stayed as his, his wife and his kids, um, left for that midnight Christmas Eve service. But shortly after they drove away, snow began to fall. And he went to the window to watch the flurries get heavier and heavier as, and then he went back to his fireside chair to pass the time. Minutes later, he was startled by a thud, and then another thud, hitting his, uh, the picture window. He's thinking someone's throwing snowballs at the window. But when he went up to the front door to investigate, there he found a flock of birds huddled there, shivering in the snow. They had been caught in the storm, and in a desperate search for shelter, they tried to fly through his large landscape window, that's what had been making the thud sound. And so he couldn't just let the poor creatures lie there and freeze. So he remembered the barn where his children stabled their pony and that would provide a warm shelter for these birds. All he would have to do is to direct them into the shelter. So quickly he put on his coat, put on his boots, tramped through the snow that was deepening to get to the barn, opened the, the doors wide open and then turned on the, the light so that the birds could find their way in. But the birds would, did not come in. So he figured food would entice them, went to the kitchen, got some breadcrumbs and spread it out there from the the, uh, the doorway to the doorway of the barn where the yellow light was um, shining and the doors were wide open. But to his dismay, the birds ignored the breadcrumbs as well. The birds continued flapping help, flapping um, helplessly there in the snow. He tried to catch them, but, but he couldn't. He tried to shoo them into the barn, but when he did, they just scattered and and flew off in every direction, and that's when he realized that they were afraid of him. To them, he reasoned, I must. I am a strange, terrifying creature. If only I could think of some way to let them know that they can trust me, that I am, that I am not trying to hurt them but to help them. But how? Any move that he made tended to frighten them and confuse them. They just would not follow. And then he thought to himself, If only I could be a bird and mingle with them and speak their language. Then I could tell them not to be afraid. Then I could show them the way to the safe warm barn. I would not have to, I would, but I would have to be one of them so that they could see and hear and understand. And then at that moment, the church bells began to ring. The sound reached his ears above the howling of the wind. And as he stood there listening to the bells, Sounding the good news of Christmas, he understood, and he sank to his knees in the snow. Our King has come, and our King has come with a love that initiated not just to show us the way, but that sacrificed to become the way that everyone who believes in Him receives the gift of life eternal and life forever in His kingdom, and that we celebrate on Christmas, isn't it? And so we ask, what is our fitting response? And the hope and prayer today is that we would see his, see our king, his love for us, but then that we would respond and allow his kingdom to come in us and through us. And the, that fitting response is found in verse 11, where he says, dear friends, loved ones, again, our, our identity is his dearly loved children, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And so our command to follow today is to, to love one another as he has loved us. It's here our king is calling us to follow him into a life of love. As you think about what, what are the, what's the ethic of his kingdom as citizens of his kingdom, what is our law? And it's the law of love. Don't you love the simplicity of this? And John comes back to it again and again. He heard Jesus say this, and he reminds us of it. This is our north star, In every situation, in every atmosphere of our life, season of our life, our North Star is to love as he loved. It's a love that takes initiative. It's a love that doesn't wait, remain passive, harbor hurts, bitterness. It's a love that's constantly looking for needs and and going. And it's a love that sacrifices, a love that's willing to lay down resources, lay down what we treasure, our, our time, money gifts, abilities, whatever it is that, that God would call us to lay down to meet the needs of those around us. This is our calling. This is how his kingdom comes in us and through us. As we want, love, one, I love the picture as a church family, our, our vision is that we're an outpost of heaven on earth. As we help each other become fully devoted followers of our king, it, heaven on earth happens, you know, but how does this happen? And it's, this is the way. As we fix our eyes on him, see his love and respond to that, we live out the radical love that, that he, with which he has loved us. And so today as we begin this Christmas season, I know for most of us this is probably review But may God have just awaken in us a fresh desire and passion to push our love limits. That we would wake up each new day and say, all right, a lot to do today, but here's one thing. My goal, my passion today is to follow my king into a life of love, a love that's initiating, that's moving forward, looking for needs, and a love that's willing to, to sacrifice. May this love mark our relationships, mark our marriages, mark our homes, and as it does, we become the kingdom of God here on earth. As he's king of our hearts, this love will take root. And... Uh, earlier in the text, we, we saw everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. What is the evidence that we, we are Christians? What is the evidence that we've received this new life and have truly been born again? That, that we're not living off of our parents' faith or, you know, our good works, but rather we have tr- truly trusted Christ as our Savior and we are citizens of His kingdom. What's the evidence? It's love. You say, well, okay, that's not good news because I failed this week and like, okay, me too, we, we don't love with the perfect love yet. John tells us in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, though, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to purify us, and it's a journey, but if we are truly children of God, if we've trusted Christ truly as our Savior, our faith will play out in love. It will be a, a love that's growing, and, uh, but it will be our desire and, and the direction of our life that we will love those around us as he has loved us. And so as you think about your life, what's the, how can you, uh, what area of love might he be calling you to? 1 Corinthians 13 is the, the classic liturgy of love, isn't it? Where Paul just hits time out and says, now I'm going to show you the most excellent way to live. He was talking about spiritual gifts, but he says, goes through love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, does not boast, Is not proud, Is not rude, self-seeking. He goes through the list, but the part that gets me The the challenge me this week was he comes to the end of that and he says this, "Um, it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. One year I was, I asked a friend about a, or I was looking for my one word for the year that we, we pick and we go after and was talking to a friend about it and he's like, hey, let me... I'll, I'll think and pray about that with you, too. And so he was on a trip somewhere, and he was in an Uber ride, and uh, he, he asked his Uber driver, hey, can I read to you some scripture, and then you tell me which word jumps out? And he decided that whatever word the Uber driver said, he would let me know. That should be my one word for the year. So, so he's reading. He read this, this passage. And guess what word the Uber driver said? Always. And that became my one word for the year. And as I think about the longing of my heart even today is the love of our king is an always love. My love is not. It still has those moments where in this situation I'm not as loving. In that situation or with that person not as loving. And, but here's the passion and here's the, the vision. What if God would help me live with an always love and you with an always love as we follow our king? His kingdom comes as we do, and so we see uh, this is the vision that John sees. He gives us a truth to celebrate, a, a, a command to obey, but then here in verse 12, notice the vision. He says, no one has ever seen God. So, okay, wait a minute. I thought Jesus is God. We've seen him, and that's not the point he's making. John later in 1 John chapter 5, 20 says, Jesus is, this is God, truly God, fully God. So, But his point is, no one has ever seen God in the form of his unmediated glory or his Shekinah glory. If For us to see God in all of his glory, we can't. But notice what he says. No one has seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. So he's saying, when we love one another, God becomes visible to a watching world and his love is made complete in us. That's a tough concept to get, but it's that idea of Uh, It's The word teleon is the idea of it becomes mature and it it fills us fully and accomplishes everything that it's meant to to accomplish. As we love one another, here's the vision today, you guys. As we love one another, we experience intimacy with the living God. He lives in us and we display his glory to a watching world. Isn't that a neat picture? And as I think about, um, back to the parable and, uh, or the, uh, and the, the whole idea of, okay, the kingdom of God, what's the value of it? I was thinking about that this week. The man sold everything when he found the kingdom of God, and what is the treasure of the kingdom of God? If you could had to summarize it, how would you summarize it? As I thought about it, and I read this text, as we love one another, God lives in us. I think he's speaking to that intimacy that he promises in John 15. As we Follow him. He abides in us, and, and we in him. The, the treasure of the kingdom is the king, isn't it? That we can know him, and walk with him, and, and experience his love, talk to him. Having the king, we have it all. And this is the calling. And so the vision here is that, it, is that we would love one another, see our king, love one another, and then display his glory to those around us so bringing it all together the good news today the kingdom of God is coming in real time the question is are you seeing it and are you seeking it with all your heart what is it that marks the kingdom of God the first mark is love and you say how so our king is love it's a love that initiates it's a love that sacrifices and the calling of the king to us is follow me into a life of love take up your cross Follow me with a love that initiates, a love that, that uh, sacrifices. And as we do, we experience and enjoy intimacy with him, but also we display his glory to a watching world and to one another as we live this out. And so it's fitting today as we come to, as we begin our Christmas celebration, but also as we um, come to the end of this text, that we celebrate the uh, the gift of that that our Lord gave us as we remember him and what he did for us through communion. And in the early church, communion became known as the love feast. It was a celebration of, of his love. And it's interesting, though, when we remember somebody who's passed away, we don't focus on their death. We focus on their life, don't we? We almost want to forget those moments of death and celebrate just all we knew about them in their life. But when Jesus calls us to remember him, what does he call us to focus on? His death. And you say, well, why is that? And It's because it's at the cross that we see his love put on display, a love that um, beyond measure poured out for us. And so today as we we come to this time of communion, this is a time, you can go ahead and uh, prepare our elements, but it's a time... For those of us who have trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior, it's a time for us to to thank Him for His love for us. It's a time to confess our sin in, in the areas that we have not loved Him and loved the people around us as He calls us to. But it's also a time to just kneel before Him as our King, and pray lord would your kingdom come beginning in my heart and let me love you with all my heart let me love the people around me as as you have loved me and just determine again the only way that we love as he's called us to love is through his power through his spirit but he calls us to be active in that and to that's one decision after another one commitment after another and so this is an opportunity to do that as we take the the bread it's a reminder of his body that was broken for us as we take the juice it's a reminder of his blood that was the atoning sacrifice for our sin and I'll uh, give us just a moment to pray and for you to pray on your own then I'll pray read some scripture and and uh, then we'll together we'll eat the bread and, and drink the cup and so take a moment if you would just to pray to thank him for his body